Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. So hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for This Girl Puts Out podcast number one. Welcome and uh, thanks for joining me on uh, my first podcast. And today's topic is uh, one that I think is prevalent right now and worth talking about. We're going to talk about anxiety and depression today. And my guest is Joanna, and she is going to share with us her experience uh, with anxiety and depression. So Joe, thanks for being here. Thank you very much for being open to talk about this. Um, I think we're definitely living in a world where we talk about this a lot more um, because the longer we're on the earth, the more we find out that um, a lot of people suffer from anxiety and depression. So um, that being said, um, can you first tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do and your family, etc.? Sure, sure. Well, thanks for asking me to do this. A little bit about me. I'm a mom, I would say first, where I define myself as a mom and a sister and a wife. Um, I am a nurse and I work part-time now. I love to exercise. I love to eat food. I love to taste wine. I have been, I guess, many things through my life, but those are the things that kind of stay the same. I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a wife. And I think I always go to those things to define, you know, who I am through the roles that I play. Yeah. So I, you can start wherever you like. Yeah. <laughs> or you go ahead. You want to yeah. ask and tell you whatever, whatever you like. It's like you said, it, it's not always the easiest thing to talk about. You know, I always have to gear up and get ready, um, but I'm, I'm ready to share. Awesome. That's great. Thank you. Do you mind telling us what your age is and how old is your daughter and how long have you been married? Sure. I am 47. Yeah, yeah I'm 47. I'll turn 48 this year. Um, I have a 14-year-old daughter and I am just, just came up on 20 years of marriage. Awesome. Congratulations. That's not easy. Nope. <laughs> uh, so why don't you start by telling us what is your actual diagnosis? So that's Interesting. You know, a diagnosis has changed through the years where it's stayed, where it's been, what, you know, if you want to put a DSM criteria on it, I have a major recurrent depression with anxiety. Um, no psychosis is my actual scientific or medical definition. Okay. Um, so, when did you first know something wasn't right? How old were you? Um, I when? was young. When I first knew I wasn't quite like my peers or my siblings, um, I remember things by grade level. You know, what grade were you in? Um, and I know I, you know, versus age, I was 
in second grade. And I can't be sure exactly what it was, um, what events were, were going on, but there were some world events going on, current events going on. Um, I think Reagan was president, which is funny, like to remember that. But um, I remember having intense thoughts and fears, like what ifs, listening to, you know, my parents speak around me, or, you know, people at school, I don't know if it would, you know, there was some sort of missile crisis or something like that. And I was in the bathroom at school, um, almost physically ill, um, you know, physiologically having reactions to, to being, you know, to this news. Um, it was an intense fear and nobody else was talking about it, right? Like your, my friends were talking about what they were going to do, you know, later that day or the next class or whatever. Yeah. You talk about it and you move on. I couldn't move on from those things. Mm -hmm. And I would find myself home, getting home on the long drive home from school. And I would go into my room and I would pray or, you know, perseverate on these chains again and again and again and again, never coming to any conclusion. Um, so that's what I remember is, you know, it's one of the first, one of my first anxious times where I knew that something was mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, you were in second grade, that was pretty young. Um, so as you went through elementary school, um, were there other signs? Um, you know, there were other signs because things like that would happen. I, I have periods of time um, and I, I could go through my entire life story and come up with the periods of time of intense anxiety. And I, it's, it's not like anxiety being a fear of like you were afraid of something for, you know, a little piece in time. I was afraid to fly then, or I was afraid it was like an, it's an all consuming. So I can think of the years through elementary school that, you know, these chunks of time, um, that would be like that. Um, and I can tell you again, when the next one was, you know, when the next big one was sure they're punctated by all these smaller little hills and rolls throughout it. But, you know, I know my next big, big one, my next big drop, where again, I knew something was really wrong was about 10th grade for me. And in 10th grade, it was more, it wasn't related to what was going on in the world around me and this world ending phenomenon thing that I would worry about. It was my health. And I, the first time I was dying, like truly believed something was wrong with me. And, and this was very fresh, you know, anxiety, not with depression at this point, I, I was dying. I was in 10th grade, again, physically ill, you know, one of my biggest things was, was, you know, like equilibrium disturbances and diarrhea and um, flushing and sweating. Mm -hmm. And I'd be, again, in the bathrooms at school, 10th grade, truly thinking that I was dying. Um, and you were, you were just rolling along with your social life as best you could, with your as grades? Best, as best I could. Grades for that time, I was able to... You know, there were times I was really able to still focus um, and, and put some things aside, you know, knowing that, you know, I had a job to do, right? Grades were our job. That was what we had to do. So I, I was able, I was still able to function, but I know at those times that I'm, I wasn't truly present. Mm -hmm. I, people mm -hmm. that know me now, you know, 
you can know when I'm present or not. And when I'm kind of in that consumed place, I wasn't present for a lot of those chunks of time. Were you talking to your parents? Did they know no. something was wrong? I mean, or were you just no, trying I didn't to share much with anyone? Um, you know, once I got to high school, I know I did share some some more specific fears that I would have. Not like I think something's wrong with me. I know I would share with my mom a little bit about, um, you know, do you think I could have this or this? Or talk to my father about, you know, current events. And do you think that this means that, the, you know, maybe if, and by no means did they miss this. I'm not saying that, you know, anybody missed anything along the way. This, you know, to no one's fault. But Maybe if someone was more astute in, you know, in the questioning, the lines of questioning and the, the little hints that I was dropping along the way, I don't think, um, I didn't really start to talk until probably my next really big one. And my next really big one happened in my early 20s, you know, when I was 21, 22. And it truly significantly affected my functioning to the point where I think that was when Truly, really a depression went in along with it. Mm -hmm. um, what that did to me, you know, I know I sunk into a depression because of the anxiety. The anxiety was first, and you know, I guess that's a separate topic too. Anxiety and depression, do they ever exist completely by themselves forever? And I, it didn't for me, right? Like one came, then another. Sometimes anxiety can start to create depression, and sometimes a depression can create some anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're very, been very intertwined for me. Um, but it was those depressive symptoms that were flag enough mm -hmm. that a conversation had to be had. So I guess I'm going to disclose at this point that, that you and I are sisters. Uh, since we're talking about family, I can't sit here and pretend that, that I, I didn't witness some of this. But, um, you know, I mean, God, we're 50 years old and we haven't, ever talked about these details, which right. I don't know what that says. Um, but, you know, high school is awful enough. So I could see yeah. as a kid in high school, you just thinking what most kids in high school think, like, I'm weird, or, you know, I'm not like the others or, but, but just in that awful sort of high school ritual sort of way. Um, so tell me now, um, you said that, you know, things came to a head. The depressive symptoms got, you know, just too, too severe to ignore. And you were, you were away at college at this point. Correct. And I remember very clearly sitting in mom and dad's kitchen and mom getting off the phone with you and crying and you know, them just saying, we have to go get her. We have to go get her something, something's wrong. And there was, there was an urgency to it, you know, and you were almost 12 hours away by car. You weren't anywhere near an airport. <laughs> I remember that moment very clearly. It was a, a significant moment in our, in our family. Um, just, I don't know. I can't imagine what that was like for mom, you know, yeah, feeling right. so helpless. I mean, as a mother now, we get that, right? Um, right, how, absolutely. What, what a mom must feel. Yeah, right. Your child is 1,500 miles away, and 
you're worried about her committing suicide and you, you every minute is his precious time. So, um, but they got you and they got you home. And it was then that you were at least, you know, at the beginning of your, your journey towards the diagnosis. And right. And then for anything that, you know, that is what that brought me to, it was into treatment Mm -hmm. or, you know, on the journey towards some sort of some sort of treatment. I can't ever say resolution, but you know, at least it got the conversation started. Were you relieved? I was, I was relieved in some way. I know. I remember that I got home and I think I I must've slept for days on end Mm -hmm. and it was restful sleep. Not like what I had was having previously, you know, depressive sleep because finally that was lifted, right? That heavy, veil of, you know, that, that I had carried, you know, it wasn't ever, it wasn't easy at that time. I know the burden that that placed on our parents. Um, I saw that and I saw the fear, right? This is uncharted. This isn't, you know, we're, we're not quite at, we're almost at the age of Prozac, right? Where people now, where mental illness is coming to light. This is a little bit before then. So, you know, I just didn't know what to do. Sure. And like you said, people were just starting to talk about mental health, you know, in a real kind of way, in an accepting kind of way. And, you know, um, Prozac was life changing for a lot of people at that time. That was the first, right? It was the first of the SSRIs. And again, a life saving treatment for a lot of people. So, so because you, um, we're coming in with a diagnosis at the beginning of a new treatment age. You went through a lot of different types of medications and treatments and yeah, some worked and some sure. didn't. And sometimes they would work for a while and, and then they'd fade off. Sometimes they'd work enough that there was, you know, you played with dosages or, you know, different classes or add-on therapies or, you know, and it wasn't just a medication journey. There certainly were, you know, finding the right fit of, of a psychiatrist or a psychologist or, you know, working with cognitive behavior therapies on the, you know, on the anxiety portion. Anxiety responds really well to, you know, working cognitive behavior changes. Um, you know, what else you want to add in there? You know, exercise as true therapy. Um, relaxation, it, it goes on. Mm-hmm. It, it, so it's it's so many layers um, um, beyond the medication, but truly medication is a necessity for me. You know, I, I know that now that that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I don't try to play games with my medication at times, but, but for me, you know, I've been off meds throughout this journey. So let's say from the time I was 21, you know, like you said, we're 50 years old. That's a, that's a lot of years, but there were years in there that, that I wasn't on medication and there were years, you know, the, I, I could sometimes get into a place, for example, when I was pregnant, I, I showed carefully, we chose for three months before we started trying to get pregnant. And then through my pregnancy, I was good, not on meds. I don't know how, you know, pregnancy was, is pretty crazy, but I was able during that time. I, again, there have been other times where I have not been medicated through the, these 30 years. Um, but 
there are some of my darkest times. And so I know that it's an essential component for me. Yeah, I've watched you struggle with that. And I feel like it is really a hallmark thing for people that have to take medication for mental health, right. you know, for mental purposes. Health? You, yeah. you, I mean, somebody as intelligent as yourself and you know that it's imperative to your well-being, I, you know, I've seen you try to get off of it. And I see, it's not just you. I see no, a no. lot of people try to, you know, get off their medication. And I think that's, you know, we it still speaks to the stigma associated with, with mental health disorders. Right. And, and, and it does, you know, I, I've seen it too, and I can't say it's just specific to mental health, but it, it's very classic um, for mental health medications. You know, someone with, that, that takes an antihypertensive, you know, they, they have normal blood pressure. They may have that normal blood pressure on that medication for years. And then you see them, you know, well, maybe I don't need it. I'm good. My blood pressure is fine. Uh, you know, that this is very classic with mental health. I feel great. I'm fine. Maybe I don't need this. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this is, you know, and I may not even be that bothered by the side effects. Truly, if you had to say, what is your biggest complaint about your side effects from your medication right now? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't, it's not necessarily weight gain right now. I, I can't say it's weight gain. Can't say I have that dry of a mouth or, you know, or it makes me a little sweatier than normal. Sure, I, I guess it does, but uh, they're not horrible. So why is it in my mind, you know, I feel good, you know, so why do I need this? I don't know. It's, it's for me, maybe it's some control issue, right? Like I'm trying to control this. Uh, you know, I don't want to be dependent on something to feel good, whatever. You know, again, like you said, there's stigma that goes with it. It's some of my personality being controlling or, you know, um, why can't I just be okay without it? It's all that that's kind of in there. Um, yeah, sort of multifactorial, yeah. Uh, why people try to, to mess around with their medicine and try to come off right. it, yeah. And every time I, I want to play with it, you know, I, I have a, I've had a, a great, um, a great psychiatrist for, for many years now. I've been with him for, oh, geez, maybe 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. And, uh. He finds me ridiculous. He'll laugh right at me and just, he knows me at this point. And something he always says is, if there's nothing wrong with it, why are you trying, why are you trying to change this? And I'll, you know, I'll give it because I feel fine. And he'll say, exactly. You feel fine with what you have. So why change it? You know, why, why change a regimen if, if you're doing so well? So, um, yeah. So you've been pretty stable with your current, medication combination and you're a fully functioning person you you know go to work i run a very effective efficient home i i work out five six days a week i you know i enjoy my friends i enjoy you know family and so i'm doing it i you know i finally see you um not, I mean, I think your your illness defined you for a long time. You let it define you for a long time. And I don't see that as part of who you are anymore. I feel like you really, in the last few years, just reached a new, a new point. Um, so I'm happy for you to see you, you know, 
feeling better than you ever have. I feel like you're at your best now. Um, if I had to say, I, you know, I've seen your, your ups and your downs and some of them have been pretty low and I don't know. It's just really, you know, I haven't thought of you as being sick for years now. And yeah. Right. So, and, and I guess that's how it is. I mean, that's the word, right? When, when you are that, you are sick. Mm -hmm. um, sick. You're right. I don't feel sick anymore. Like, you know, like those, when I said those phases, those times in my life where, where that is probably the best word to describe it. Um, Joe, can we talk about being a mother and how, how this has affected your ability to mother, your relationship with your daughter? I mean, where, where have you gone and where are you now? So that's one of, I mean, the, the biggest, one of my biggest challenges um, is being a mom. Um, what kind of mom I wanted, I wanted to be, you know, we, if we waited to have kids, you know, you have a lot of time to think, what kind of mom do I want to be? And, you know, would I be good at, good at it, whatever that means. And you, you know, with mental health issues. So, right. There's a genetic component and, and then there's this environmental component. And I sure as heck didn't want to give her either of them. You know, that was my biggest thing for a long time is I don't want to give this to her, whether, you know, I, I didn't want her to see me, right, to know. And I can't say that my daughter knows. She certainly doesn't know the struggles that I've had. She's 14, right? They're so egocentric at this time, at the point in their lives. I don't think telling her now would have, she doesn't, she doesn't need that information now. I know that there will be a time. It's just not right now. But it it gives me purpose to to just um stay well to, right to stay well and to know that it's not just about me there there's a bigger bigger picture here so even a, a mom that that has you know a a physical health diagnosis we see moms that are are going through let's say cancer treatment they, I guess there's pieces of that that they're not letting their, their children see, right? They, they want their kids to see a different piece because they want them to learn, I don't know, something about them. Um, and certainly I, I wouldn't have wanted it to burden her either, just how it burdened my mother. I wouldn't mm -hmm. want it to burden a child. Um, so as a mom, it's challenging, right? It, it is. It is. I, I, and I, I'm in this place now where I think I went all these years not wanting my daughter to have this, right, or to have any form of this. And then I think, well, was it, was it, is it the worst thing ever? You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't protect her by any means from anxious things. You know, it, my kid's pretty resilient. Um, and pretty strong, and I love that. I, it, it has framed me, though, too, is that when, what do I want for my daughter? I, I want her to be happy. I truly do want a happy kid. That's my goal. And when I get wrapped in the daily stress, the daily things, like, you know, I have a level nine gymnast, and she goes to a, a private collegiate prep school. Um, grades and scores, to me, are they don't drive me by any means. Mm -hmm. Happiness does, you know, what I see in her and her mental health 
it really is important to me that her mental health, right, is, is, is really mm-hmm. important to me. I don't want to miss it. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss it. it and is she okay, Joe? I think she is, you know. I, I, there was a, I saw some, you know, some anxiousness last year. She, she was, she had a, a funny phase. You know, she's, like I mentioned, she is a gymnast, you know this, and she's, she's very active. She puts in about like, between 20 and 25 hours of pretty hard workout a week and she had a she had a fracture so she wasn't working out I did see then she was lost she was lost truly without having that outlet and I don't know if it was you know the physical aspect of it or just you know the the friends and the working out and you know that that's what defines her Mm -hmm. she didn't have that I didn't like what I you know she was really revved up she was having a hard time Mm -hmm. um with anxiety and I haven't seen it since. I, I I love it that I see, you know, I see more of Michael, my husband, and her mental health than I see me. And that I kind of, like, find that a relief. I'm like, oof, thank goodness. <laughs> but we won't ever tell him that. I won't tell him that, right. <laughs> um, no, I I have to agree with you. I, she seems like a horribly well-adjusted, I know, happy, I know. awesome kid. And she's delightful and... Um, well, since you brought up your husband, I mean, surely this has affected your relationship. You guys have been together for 20 plus years. Um, you guys had some dark times, uh, where, where this was front and center and, um, I don't know. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I feel, you know, Michael, Michael and I were engaged and and ready to be married before he knew much or had experienced, you know, uh, any ups and downs with me. Um, so we were already, you know, we're here we are, we're, we're committed to be married. This guy's, you know, sure. You say for better or for worse. Hey, yeah. You know, Hey, I, I had some issues with mental health, anxiety, depression. He's, he's not, I would, I guess I would say he's not very psychologically minded. He's very black and white, you know, the mm-hmm. mental health of him. Oh, you know, it, it just, I know it didn't resonate with him when I, I talked about, you know, some things that I had been through. And so I always kind of feel like, I don't always, but I think, you know, wow, this guy's getting ready to marry me and he's in for a ride and he has no idea, <laughs> but, um, I duped him. We always laugh. Um, you know, as we look back now and, and can laugh, he was already, like he says, invested before things got dark and, and went to yeah. dark places. So, um, I mean, I don't that, but Do you think you were concealing it or you were just hoping? I, I think at every point you're hoping that it's not going to be a problem. You're hoping, you know, that, that it's going to be all right. And and not not a not not affect you guys or not affect you or not affect him. Maybe he doesn't ever have to see it. So why tell him? Right. So you know you're right. It, it was never you know something I was hiding. Um, but to hear about it is very different than experiencing it. It's been a ride for him as well. Yeah. Do you think like I mean? So once, you know, he got a, you know, he became fully aware 
and had been through some darkness with you um, at that point, you know, are you the sick one in the relationship? Are you always, is the, the marriage always looking through the lens of that? You know, are you at a disadvantage in the relationship? You know what I mean? Like is, um, did it define your marriage in any way at some point? Uh, I have at some point, sure, right? I mean, when it's front and center, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it defined it, but it it took precedent for sure. I, I can't I can't say no mm-hmm. as much as I, I'd like to say no. It didn't define us. No, it's not all about me. No, I'm not sick, but yeah, I guess <laughs> right. I I guess what I'm kind of getting at is, um, you know, my husband is an alcoholic and. Um, He's been sober for a long time now, but, um, you know, once we established that he had that problem, um, our dynamic changed, you know, um, he almost, I don't know, it was almost like I was, you know, superior to him in some way in the marriage, you know, he was... I don't know, and and maybe that's just our messed up dynamic, but it definitely it definitely you know affected our relationship in some way where it made him weaker or maybe not as important or maybe his voice wasn't as important or maybe I didn't trust everything he said because oh well it could be you know it could be his problem affecting what he's saying or you know what I mean. I guess I'm just yeah, wondering, no, did you guys go through that kind of stuff? I don't think so. I mean, you know, Michael does, hasn't struggled with mental health issues, but certainly he's had life struggles, you know, mm-hmm. through the 20 plus years that we've been together. So I think we, I, I think, you know, I could say we've taken turns, um, but we're, we're, I don't know. I feel like we have pretty equal voices and maybe one's a little louder than the other at certain times. But um, I don't know. We've, we're pretty smooth. I don't know. I, we're, we're, we, sh- we pretty much shared one another's birds. Wow, that sounds so healthy. It's, we have a healthy marriage. No, we, no, it's, we do have a pretty good partnership going. Michael and I have yeah. always had a decent partnership going. Um, so... I think, you know, once you put 20 years in and you're you're on the front or back side of 50, um, you realize a lot about life, you know. I mean, my marriage is better today than it's ever been, you know. And um, I think a lot of it does have to do with age, you know, the amount of crap you've been through together, um, you know. But certainly we are we are equals, and, and I think that um, – when you can't be our age and have been together that long and not not realize that um you know you're both contribute to to what your marriage is and sometimes one of you more than others and that's marriage that's a relationship you know um so i don't know i don't I, i you mentioned your work and how you know you've always You've always put out great work professionally. You've always been super high functioning. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you think you, you tried harder because of your diagnosis or is that just who you are? I think it's who I am. You know, that, that was me. I was all, I'm just an overachiever, you know, put something in front of me, give me a time to be, 
you know, whether that, I think that's me, that, that part is me. Um, and I, I think it was always there that, you know, I'm going to give a presentation and I'm going to deliver one of the best presentations you've ever sat through, or, you know, I'm going to run this race and I'm going to run it in under 25 minutes. Like I am very goal oriented, very driven, driven to, to deliver. I like being on that end of things. You know, I wanted to be at the 4.0 or the, you know, the, the grades that would end at a 99. Like I want to be, I, I liked hitting that threshold of, and I think that was more me than anything that high functioning end. I, but I guess that at the same token, that is what people see, right? They, they see, you know, the, that lecturer or that, that nurse or that, you know, that professor or that, that person having fun, that person, you know, making, hitting all those achievements and all those milestones and wow, she did this and that, right? It's that Facebook picture that, you know, you, you, you see. If you just look at that person, you only look at those accomplishments, you see something that isn't all there, right? You don't, you don't get the whole picture, which is why, you know, I don't talk a lot to many people probably don't know my whole story. Just like, I don't know their cholesterol numbers, right? Like I, I don't know anybody's picture, um, in full, do we ever, but, um, that's like the surprising, you know, the surprise factor that I give, like, really you, like, I wouldn't have thought that or, you know, I, yes, I am that person. I, I suffer from major depressive disorder. I am, can be anxious as all get out, but you know, I still, I still can perform most of the time. You know, this is much like a, I don't know, this is a lifelong diagnosis, right? I mean, you, I think right. at this point, I'm not growing out of it. Like, right. Mom, oh, <laughs> It's not happening. <laughs> well, when you um, have kids, it'll go away. It doesn't. Right. Um, so, I mean, do you brace for, you know, uh, an exacerbation or, I mean, are you, are you waiting for, you know, something to happen? Are you just plugging along? Are you just yeah. trying not to think about it? I mean, you're extremely well controlled and living a wonderful life. So I would imagine you're not thinking about it constantly, but no, I mean, is that, that voice? Right. If you think about it constantly, you know, then are you're not technically, you know, moving on from it. Right. You know, from the past, there, there has to be future and but the future is, you know, very cliche. It's not if, it's when, right? It, it is a when, not an if it will rear its ugly head again. I'm, I've grown up with this, though. So I, I'm much more in tune with triggers. And I'm much more in tune with very subtle signs and symptoms, you know, my pattern or, you know, whatever that is. Um, it's hard to catch me off guard. I know what to do if something's wrong and I may sit with it for a little while, but I know, I know what I need to do. Um, so, and maybe that's why I've had this good stretch of, of time. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had a really good stretch of time. Yeah. I'm on it. Right. And now that I, now that the conversation has been had, let's say with you, with my husband, with, you know, with mom, if I'm not hiding away enough from everybody, if I'm not hiding it 
um, others can see it. You know, those close to me can see it and, and maybe, you know, hey, check in with me and say, what, you know, what are you, you know, you doing okay? You're not feeling good or what, you know, it's, it's not many people. When I said you, mom, or, you know, my husband, that, that's probably about it, but I can't yep. get away with it. <laughs> I, yeah. I get, and again, yeah. I'm a mom, right? Go back to that. I'm a mom. I'm not going to sit around with this. I've, right. I, I've got stuff to do. I've got stuff to do. Yeah, I like that idea of, you know, you having a safety net, um, which is, which is awesome. Um, everybody's on notice, you know, and not waiting for anything, but, um, right. yeah, but I think, I think, I think if I saw you ditch your psychiatrist, I would, <laughs> I would ask you what the hell's going on. Right, right. Um, yeah, there so, is an accountability piece in there to, you know to those you love and, and those that love you. So Yeah. Oh, that's a, a big statement. Um, Joe, what are you most what are you most proud of in your life or through all this? What did you do right? Um I know that made me a little teary for a second. I'm I guess uh what did I do right? I have an amazing family. I have like a rock star of a daughter that again, I judge that. I, I say that in, in terms of her, you know, being a great kid. That makes me the happiest. I've had a great career. Um, I'm, I'm proud that I, Maybe I didn't let it define me. It doesn't define me anymore. It doesn't give me excuses that that I, get, I can't say I'm a survivor because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be there again. But mm -hmm. that I that I fought back with it, and it's not just a fight against. I, I've kind of fought with it and accepted it. And you know, like you said, at this point, I've not, in a way I'm on the other side, right? Yes. I'm, with it for so long that I think I have the edge. Yeah. You know, I've never heard you refer to it like that. Like I've grown up with this. I know this. It's like a, a pair of shoes or a sweater. You know, I, mm -hmm. I know that pair of shoes. <laughs> I've, right. yeah, kind of a, I guess a neat uh, way to look at it. Um, Joe, what, what, do you think is one thing you can you think that people don't don't consider or don't know and need to know about anxiety and depression you know i mean we do talk about it a lot now so uh the public is well informed but are we missing the boat on something is there a piece that that we have that we need to know that that is not out there sort of in the mainstream Oh, that's tough. I mean, I hear the word anxiety today, right? It's such a buzzword, like, oh, I had anxiety, or, you know, you heard that, that, that test, it was anxiety, and certainly there is test anxiety and, and things like that. Anxiety, um, I, I don't ever want anybody to take it lightly when when someone says they have anxiety or a fear, I'm, I'm really afraid of this or that. Listening is really important. And, 
you know, our kids are really important. Not that that's the only time that this stuff manifests. You know, for some people it is much later. But it's anxiety is and depre depression and it's hard and it's real and it's a it's resistant and it can be paralyzing and it can be all defining but it, it also isn't permanent you know yes it's a lifelong diagnosis but it's not a permanent every day um every minute part of my life like again a cliche this too shall pass when someone's in the throes of those darkest minutes, that is the last thing that you believe is that that will pass. But it really, really will. Um, it's n it's not forever. Um, you know, we know there. You know, get help, talk to someone, starting the conversation, and, and just to keep trying because there's going to be failures. I mean, there were just horrible treatment failures along the way for me. It's, outright failures of medications and, and counselors or therapists that I would be like, holy gosh, that guy was a wing nut. Um, if I would have, if you give up then, you're, you're kind of giving up on yourself. So um, would it have helped you to know, um, would it have helped you to know that it was going to take, that, that you, you needed 10 years of patience to find oh, gotcha. the right, the right person to talk to and the right combination of medicines. Like, would that have helped you knowing that? Cause I feel like that's what people don't know. They is, don't. And that, that's a, it's a great point because it, it's, you're not going to, uh, to talk to someone, you know, a professional for a couple times and get on something. And yes, you're going to wait the six weeks, you know, cause you might not see results for that long. And, you know, there, there is no set time frame, right, for being better or feel, you know, being well. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I guess had I known going into it that it would take that long, I, I might have been, you know, a little less frustrated with the process. I may have, you know, not felt so damaged and and experience such darkness um had i known like listen this is what th this could be it you know this could take 10 20 years and heck if it, if it only takes eight weeks or you know then so be it but but plan on the ride right right i didn't, I didn't know to plan on the ride yeah well part of that is how i think the that you know area of medicine has evolved too yeah. um but i look at how much effort, time, um, emotion, all of it that went into you being where you are at today. And you right. are job in and of itself. And you are one person. And, you know, um, look at look at what was invested in you getting to this point. And I just I feel like there's so many people who um give up easily because of you know medication side effects or the wrong counselor or they get frustrated with the process and i don't know i feel like maybe it, it needs to be said that you know this takes a while it takes a while and um we're lucky we live in this day and age where we have some great some great therapies and medications and 
I'm just, uh, it's a pleasure to see you where you're at now, Joe. I'm truly happy for you and your, your family. And uh, I can't thank you enough for talking about all this with me today. It was great. Now, it wasn't that bad. It was like we were sitting down having coffee, right? Coffee would have been nicer in person, but no, it was great. You know, I, I don't talk about it a lot. But ask me and I'll tell you my tale. So. Right. You know, by all means, I, I'm thankful that you asked me. And well, the whole premise of of this girl puts out is, you know, we're putting out ourselves and we're putting out our experiences to um, share with with other women. Um, somebody needs to hear what you've said today, and um, thank you for for being so generous with your your honesty and your time and. Um, yeah, thank you. And thank you. And everybody, thank you for listening on our uh, first and epic episode of the This Girl Puts Out podcast. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.